yes. Uh, how many actually baseball fans do we have here this morning? Yeah? All righty, all righty. Well, I'm a baseball fan. I love the sport. And uh, when Mike, actually, we, this was planned a long time ago, before, uh, right when I landed, uh, that this, uh, this Sunday would be the day that uh, we would come out to San Diego. We've been uh, touring the other campuses and uh, today was the day, and I was so excited when Mike said, hey, yeah, the day after Easter is MLB Sunday, and then my heart skipped the beat, man. My heart skipped the beat. I was excited. I was excited. The re- number one reason is because I-, I, I get to wear my jersey. <laughs> it's really awkward on a Sunday. You're preaching, and you, get, you wear a jersey for no apparent reason. Uh, but today was MLB Sunday, and said, I said, I'm wearing the jersey no matter what. Um, but, man, I'm excited. Uh, to be here this morning. Um, as you can see, I only represent one team and one team only. I am a diehard Yankees fan. I was born and raised in the South Bronx. And uh, first of all, before I, I jump into that, how many homers do we have? How many, not people who could hit homers, but people who, who are San Diego Padre fans? Just raise your hand. Uh, I'm sorry. So, so sorry. <laughs> I, but the, the incredible thing about this is that there's hope. There's hope, right? Because I get to pray with you. Now I know how to pray. I know how to pray. And, and, and like G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle, right? And so now I know how to pray. And uh, we, could, we, could, we, could, we could say amen and go home now. Now, um, but let me share a little bit about me, mi familia, and how I got blessed to, to be here this morning. Um, as I mentioned before, I am of Port, uh, uh, I was born and raised in New York, but my parents are Puerto Rican, a little island. Nobody really, needs, nobody really knows where that island is, right? So it is, just to, for you who are geographically challenged, uh, it is in the Caribbean. There's a small little speck, right, on the southeastern side of the Caribbean. Um, it's a four-hour plane ride, three-and-a-half-hour plane ride from Florida, all right, just so you know where we're at. And... Um, so my parents were born in Puerto Rico, um, but I was, like I said, I was born in the Mecca of trouble, in the Mecca of hip-hop, all right, in the Mecca of graffiti, and uh, of baseball capital of the world, which is New York, all right? Uh, I was born in the South Bronx, home of the New York Yankees. Actually, I, I, I lived about a 10-minute walk to Yankee Stadium, and it was just an incredible experience as a kid. Uh, I would go, you know, we would walk to Yankee Stadium and we would wait for somebody to give me tickets. For some reason, for whoever, we, they would give like a dirty little kid a ticket to get into the game. And so we just waited around, someone would give us a ticket, and I looked to the next adult, closest adult next to me, and said, Today you're my daddy. Right? <laughs> and we would get in, and they were cheap tickets, but nonetheless, we were able to get in. Um, anyway, so that, I had a pretty good, uh, awesome childhood being uh, a fan of the New York Yankees. And so, fast forward a little bit, while I was in college, uh, I met this drop-dead gorgeous lady who actually said yes. Right? She actually said yes, and last month we celebrated 23 years of marriage. Yes, yes. All the applause goes to my wife. She, she, she put in a lot of work. Uh, but uh, um, it was, it's really, it's been a, an incredible marriage of I told you so. And so that's how I live my life. I told you so. My wife says it, and I keep going. But uh, God has blessed us uh, with four beautiful young ladies, ranges, ranging from the ages of 21 to 7. Yeah, it's a big range right there, 21 to 7. 
Uh, Janelle, who is my oldest, she's 21. She's about to graduate next month from Southeast, uh, Southeastern University in Florida. Uh, your pastor's alma mater, and uh, she's going to graduate with... Uh, uh, go, fire. go fire, yes. Yes, I was trying to bring him, but he wouldn't come. Uh, but she's graduating for, with a degree in psychology. She's trying to, like, psychoanalyze me a little time. Um, I tried taking credit for that, but mom said, no way, I'm the smart one. So, um, then there's Madison, my beautiful uh, 15-year-old who's about to finish her sophomore year. She is beautiful. She is smart. She's an athlete. And no, she's not allowed to date. For any of you teenage boys trying to figure that out, uh-uh, not in mi casa. That ain't happening. All right? Um, then I have Sophia, who is nine years old, and she is the smartest one in the family. It's, uh, she's learning every day. It's amazing what you can learn from Snapchat and, and social media, Facebook. She doesn't, even, she doesn't have it, but she's always looking at our phones to see what's going on, what's the latest trend. But she's a, she's a, she's a jewel. She's, a, she's incredible. And, um, and my last but not least is my youngest, Noah, who is seven. She's the second grader, and she's the boss of the family. She runs, absolutely runs. Don't let the lose. You'll see her. You'll see her around, and don't let the little smile fool you, and the little ponytail, don't let it fool you. She tells people what to do, and um, she has me wrapped around her finger. Uh, let's see what else is important here. About eight years ago, uh, actually, let's backtrack a little bit further. We, uh, we moved from New York to uh, California back in 2001, um, got called into ministry, um, started serving in California. Uh, came up the ranks, was a youth pastor, associate pastor, then executive pastor. And if you don't know what any of those ranks, executive pastor means you do everything that the senior pastor doesn't want to do, right? That's just, that's just a fancy word for it. Anyway, we uh, went to Puerto Rico. Uh, we felt the calling of God to, uh, God spoke really, uh, and uh, we went to Puerto Rico uh, to launch a, a, a church there and because God said so, right? And then about two years ago, we became the first uh, global campus of South Hills Church, uh, because God said so as well. And then uh, God spoke once again, and he said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle to Bel Air, right? <laughs> no, no you, you, you get where I'm going, right? I, I, I joke around a lot. Actually, it was a little further, bit further north into Santa Clarita, into the valley, and we're launching our seventh South Hills campus uh, this coming uh, fall. And that's, that's incredible. So... <clears throat> You are part of a bigger picture. You are part of a bigger family. Uh, you have family now in Santa Clarita. So if you ever want to go to Magic Mountain, hook, come see us. We're like five minutes away from Magic Mountain, all right? I got season passes. We can all go together, and I eat while you get on the rides. It's, it's, a, great, it's, a, great, it's a great friendship there. So um, needless to say, we're super excited. Uh, we're launching September 9th, and uh, uh, we just ask that you pray for us and what God has called us to do. Uh, as Pastor Mike mentioned, uh, we're taking over a church uh, that was, uh, you know, just kind of headed in the opposite direction, and, and we're, we're just loving on people, loving on our community, and we want to do what uh, Pastor Mike and Crosby have been doing here. We want to resurrect the church there and, and, and welcome people and love on people and share the love of Christ, all righty? So keep praying for us, uh, for what God is doing in our city. All right, enough about me. Um, I get tired of bragging about me and, and all, all the time. But, but if you want to hear more, we'll, we'll go outside later and, and just for a small fee, small fee. Uh, I'm a cheap lunch date. Really, I am. Pizza, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but know that we rode deep. We rode five. 
We go five, so make sure your budget has that, all right? So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, if, do you ever feel stuck? you ever feel stuck uh, uh, like you just can't move on, like you're, you're in, you're confined, you can't move forward? The obstacles between you and your dreams, right, uh, uh, seem absolutely impossible, can't be reached. If you optionless, powerless, even paralyzed. It could be a person. It could be a, a prejudice, right? It could be a past hurt or even a present handicap in your life. And overcoming it feels impossible, just as impossible as moving a mountain, right? But what if your story isn't doomed? What if your story doesn't end right there? What if there is hope? What if it has a different ending? In fact, what if you can do something today that can alter and change the result for tomorrow? What if the story that God has purposed and planned for your life isn't what it is today? That there is hope that there is encouragement, that there is a possibility to change it all. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, I tell you the truth, you can say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Anybody ever tried that? I tried, I tried throwing a rock, a boulder, and I couldn't move it. Right? But the, 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 the understanding of that is a little bit deeper. And, and that's, this is what this series is really about. Scripture also tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us today, right now, right here. That's right, that the story of Jesus' resurrection is not about a miracle that, that just happened to take place many, many years ago, but that what actually transpired back then left us a remnant of hope that could propel us for a brighter and a better life today. Let me ask you this. How many of us are always striving for a brighter and a better life? Just raise your hand. Right? I think all of us are. We're all trying to seek a better life for our family, for our loved ones. We're trying to seek a better job, better finances, a better... Just, we, we're, we're trying to get one step ahead of it. But what does that even mean? in the scope of our everyday life? And how might understanding that unlock a better tomorrow for you? And that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna jump into this morning and hopefully present you with a different perspective on life. I'm hoping to give you some practical tools that will push you past this, this stage of hopelessness and apply an overcomer's mindset, an overcomer's mindset to your everyday lives. I want to help you set and understand, right? I want to help you see that obstacles are often your best teachers, that no odds are unconquerable, and that overcoming is, about, is not about avoiding your fear, your pain, or your weaknesses, but finding supernatural perspective and strength as you partner with God to go through it. Now, last week... Pastor Mike shared with you about overcoming depression and hopelessness. And, and, and I just want to stop right there for a second, if you allow me here. I'm actually going to do it anyway. Um, I, want to, I want to just give kudos to, to Pastor Mike and Crosby. I've only known them 
for about a year and a half. Uh, they actually allowed me to ride uh, in their car with them. They, <laughs> can you, let, me, let me give you back some history. I just got off a plane from Puerto Rico to California, right? We we're going to a conference, a church boom conference, and uh, I've never met none of the pastors. I'm, I'm the one that lives the furthest away in Puerto Rico, and, and here I'm getting to meet all the pastors, and everybody said, who's going to take Pastor Afrin? And everybody's like... <laughs> and then somebody shouted, Mike, Crosby, you take Pastor Efren. And could you imagine, they, I'm a big guy, you can pair, you know, Mike is all muscled out. I'm muscled out, you just can't see it, right? It, it's under the covers. And so, so here they are, and, and, and now they got to take this big guy wherever they go. And so, but it, they, they loved on me, it was incredible. We, 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 we had a good time, and, um, but I just want to give kudos to them. They have, they have labored, they have worked, they have sacrificed, they have loved, they have welcomed what God has brought to them in this new season. And, uh, you know, we have, I, have, I have gone through the journey with them. Uh, over the last year and a half, I've seen what, what God has done through them and what God has, has been doing on this campus, and it's incredible. I walked in here, and, and I, 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 I just uh, Instagram out there, I said, man, I get to be here today. I get to be here, and uh, if it was not for, for Pastor Mike and Crosby and their team and all of you guys being here, doing what God has called you to do, serving faithfully, following their leadership, I wouldn't get to be here. And, and, and so kudos to you guys. You guys have done an incredible job. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, I give, you know, it's, we should all be giving credit where credit is due. Um, and uh, you guys have done an incredible job here, and I'm, I love it. I absolutely. All righty. Um, okay, no more announcements from me. Pay me later, Mike. That's what it says here. Uh, no, just kidding. This morning, my talk is titled Overcoming Suffering, Sadness, and Depression. And maybe you don't feel sad. Maybe you don't feel depressed. Maybe you're not actually suffering on the surface. But deep down inside, there's some things that are going on in your life that, that, that kind of be, are holding you back, kind of making you feel a little bit inadequate, making you feel like, man, there's some hurt in there, some past things that have occurred that, that kind of bring a, a frown to your daily life. And, and when you greet somebody, you got to smile. But, but deep down inside, there's something really going on that that's kind of holding you back, you know, keeping you locked up. And I want to talk about how we can be over, overcome that. And I'm going to start off with this question. Um, I'm a little bit passionate in how I speak, so, you know, if it comes off a little aggressive, it's not. I love, it's a kumbaya moment. I just, I'm a Puerto Rican from New York. That's how we do, all right? So just, just giving the disclaimers out there. You ever had a time when things didn't go your way? right, where if somebody treated you unfairly or felt disappointed by a situation or a set of circumstances and what unhelpful or unhealthy thing did you, did you do to, to vent it out, right? Maybe you ate too much. You said, oh, I'm going to eat this tub of ice cream because I'm not feeling my best today. Or oh, I'm just going to talk bad about somebody because they were talking bad about me and I'm just going to, I don't care, right? I'll, I'll give you a little situation. My um. My, uh, my oldest daughter had a situation at a school, right? And I won't get into the details. But her boyfriend, who's like, my oldest daughter is like, um, she's like yay big, right? She's probably the smallest of the bunch. And um, her boyfriend is like yay big. He's like 6'5". He's like 280. He's like a, a linebacker, right? And uh, don't, don't mind. I'll hit around the kneecaps. He drops real quickly. <laughs> I make sure those things are in order. Anyway, so... Um, so 
into the situation, things happened, things got escalated, the school got involved and whatnot, and he felt like he was getting in the short end of the stick. He was being treated unfairly, right? And his initial reaction was to vent. Not when he left the room, when he was actually in the room. And he decided to vent on the people that were handing down the punishment or being unfair, unjust. And immediately, that's a no-no because it's going to get worse for you. So they had a punishment here, and all of a sudden, by the end, when he was done finishing, his punishment was up here, right? And, and, and that's, sometimes we do that. We, we, we burst out. We're in a situation. Things are going rough. Things are not are happening the way we like it, we want to. And, and our initial reaction to things don't lead us to, to progression. Instead, it, it, it takes us a few steps back. And we get into a deeper situations, right? We get into a harder times. And um, you, you, you ate the, the, the gallon of ice cream alone, you know? I mean, anybody do that? Am I the only one? Oh, that's why I look like this. Um, you angrily vented out to a friend. You, you know, you, uh, you complain to everyone that's, that's listening or not listening, <laughs> You decide to stop trying. You, you, you seek revenge. You see, it's one thing when your disappointment is something trivial, like getting cut, in, getting cut off in traffic, your favorite show uh, didn't get recorded, your husband forgot to get something from the store, <laughs> guilty as charged. But what about the really big roadblocks in our lives, the things that can't be easily overcome? A divorce, a death, in, a death in the family. You've been unemployed for a year. Your debt keeps adding up and piling up. You've been overlooked for a promotion at your job. You can't stop putting on the weight. You can't crawl out of this deep depression. The big things in life, it literally has you chained and shackled down and beating the snot out of you. Anyone ever... Feel like that? Yeah. yeah. It's not about that, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're walking around, woe is me. And it, and it could have been the fact, it, it doesn't have to directly point on the choices that you've made. Circumstance happened, life happens, and, and not everybody's dealt a, a bag of goodies in life. There are things that we just go through and, and happen, you know, and, 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 and it seems like the world is beating us down, you know, and, and there's no really, there's no option to get out. Everybody deals with disappointments, but the question is, how do we deal with it? Everyone goes through disappointments and setbacks and troubles in life. We all do. We've all been in those moments in life. But how do we deal with that is the bigger question. How do we jump back on the horse and, 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 and address the situation that we're going through? Are your coping mechanisms or techniques leading you in the right direction or are they causing more trouble for you? Are they moving you closer to the person you want to be or are they taking you in the opposite direction? These are real questions that we must ask ourselves in, the, in, these, in these times. When we find ourselves kind of lost and confused, when we find ourselves in, in the midst of troubles and chaos, what are we doing to get in front of it? Or, are, or is what we're doing 
putting us behind it, making us get deeper, deeper into the situation. Oftentimes, the things we do to make ourselves feel better only end up making things worse, right? We make these choices. We think we be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this done. Oh, I'm going to do this. And this is how I'm going to react. This is how I'm going to get this done. And, and when you, you take a step back, you're, you're back on the sofa eating that ice cream and saying, woe is me. You're going around kicking rocks, saying, man, I, you know, life is not fair. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I had my whole life planned out, but because this happens, now I feel like I'm never going to achieve my goals. I'm never going to get to what I want to accomplish in life. I'm never going to get that apartment. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to get that raise. All oh, this is, this life sucks, right? And we just keep tailspinning further and further and deeper and deeper into the abyss here. If you think about it, there are moments in life where you just decide to just give up and surrender. You throw up your hands in the air and like Roberto Duran say, no mas, no more, I can't, this, this is the way it is. It's like, might as well just take it, take it like a champion. It is what it is. Because for you, your perspective, how you see it, the door is closed. That mountain is just way, for, way too big for you to climb. There's nothing else you can do. Listen, we've all been there. We've all been in those moments where we throw up our hands and say, I can't do this no more. However, on the flip side, we all have, have, have seen and we know somebody. We've heard the stories of people overcoming uh, um, Seemingly insurmountable, impossible odds in life. There, there are things that are happening. They're, they're, they're going from the bottom of the, of the pit and they're climbing. They're clawing their way to the top. And it's like, man, how are you doing that? You, one day you were at the bottom of it all and now you're at the top. And you've overcome and you've, you've beat the odds. And, and, and you think to yourself, man, how did they do that? How did they get to that? How, they, were, they were smacked up. They were, they were on the bottom. They were, they were being kicked on and spit on. And, and nobody paid attention to them. And now they're my boss. That's not fun. But how do they do that? They seem to be, excuse me, they seem to be a bit more resilient, a bit tougher than, than we're able to be. But how does that happen? What makes them so different than me? We're going to jump into that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open it up to Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 29. I have this real cool thing called the Bible app. I'm mean, sure you already know about that. And you got a big carrying a big old Bible, which but it actually is there on your phone and you can jump on it. I'm just going to paraphrase and just really focus on one scripture here. But this is a story of Paul and Silas. You probably read it over many times. If you haven't, I encourage you to read it. Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 29. Paul and Silas are, are severely beaten. They're thrown into, into, into the prison. Because obeying God cost someone else money. So <laughs> they, were, they were pointed at, blamed on, and, and they were thrown in prison and beaten up, right? But instead of allowing themselves to be drowned in depression and in defeat, right? They don't want to, they, they're not trying to soak in this, this bathtub, bathtub of discouragement, they begin to do something really cool, really incredible, really out-of-the-box thing. 
and it begins to impact those around them because they chose to focus on their faith, not on their circumstances. And that's just an incredible thing. Sometimes we, we are just so caught up in our own poop, our own circumstances and our own troubles. We get caught up and we, that's all we see, that's all we focus on. But we fail to, to realize, we fail to focus on our faith, who we are as believers and Christians. In verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What a concept, praying and, and worshiping. <laughs> what a concept. And he says, it says, and the other prisoners were listening. They were listening. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Bam! Could you imagine being there at that precise moment? Not even being part of Paul and Silas's crew. You're just a, a, another guilty prisoner in, you know, in, in right there, chained up and shackled. And all of a sudden, these two crazy dudes start worshiping and praying, right? And, 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 and then in, in, a, in, a, in a matter of a, of a split second there, the foundations start shaking right there. And I'm, think about it. What would you be doing at that point in time? You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm going to die, I'm going to die. This thing's going to fall on my head. And then all of a sudden, the chains break free. And you start, whoa, yes. Where do I go now? Is that incredible or not? Paul and Silas decided, man, I can either focus on my, my current circumstances, my issues and my troubles, and say, nobody knows the trouble. No, or they can worship and pray and believe and trust in their faith. And they decided option B, to believe in their faith, to worship and pray, regardless of who's around us. Because some of us get a little bit embarrassed to be praying and worshiping in public. I ain't calling out, I ain't pointing fingers at anybody. Because in our circumstances, all we worry about what someone else is thinking, we worry about where we are in our situation, and we fail to realize that we are a child of the Most High, that we are, we are heirs to the throne, and the power that was back then resides in me. And if I worship and pray, truly believe that this, this, this mess around me is not my final destination, <laughs> then I get, start dancing and praising and rejoicing because the chains and the shackles will break free. But check this out. I find it a bit odd that a room of violent criminals, right? Because you're in prison because you did something, you know, not because you, you bought cupcakes for somebody, right? You're, you're in prison because you're a violent criminal. They weren't upset that the others were singing at midnight. You know, oh, shut up. Oh, you be quiet. No, they stood there and they listened. They stood there and they listened. Today, the minute you mention Jesus, people start running away from you, right? But they listened. They, they, they said, you know what? We've been chained in shackles for so long. Hey, whatever works. If that's, you think that's going to work, then hey, let it be known. I'm going to sit here and listen. But check this out. It all comes down to our weapon of choice. Our weapon of choice. Our weapon of choice. What kind of heat you packing? What, what, do you got, what do you got tucked under your belt? Besides, you know, 
I'm, you go deeper than that. But what, what, what are you packing? What kind of weapon are you carrying around with you in life? When life is treating you or throwing curveballs, as, as Mike said, when, 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 when life is, doesn't feel fun anymore, when life isn't a, a, a happy kumbaya moment, when there are real struggles, real situations that you're going through, what are you choosing to, to go into battle with? Or are you even deciding to go to battle? Or are you just accepting the consequences? Paul and Silas said, uh-uh, not us. We're not going to take this and, and say it is what it is. Paul and Silas knew what kind of heat they were packing. They were, they were locked, ready to roll here. Paul and Silas chose to pray and worship in their deepest moments. And they're deep. I've seen the movies, you know, you either get chained and shackled up here or, or you're on the floor and you're chained, you know, like, that, that's not fun. I, like, I'm a big boy. You can't sit me on the floor and chain me shackled for a long time. I get uncomfortable. You know, I get to get numb on one side. It's just not fun. And so you, uh, <laughs> when I open up the Bible, it's like, a, it's like a pop-up book. All this stuff starts happening in my mind. I start, I, I jump right into it. And so I'm thinking about, man, what would I have done? Would I have preferred them to chain it? I think I prefer to do this right here. Just, I'm not going anywhere. I'm a big guy. Can't run far. Right? Just, I, can I just roam the room? I'm good. With just, I don't, you're you're going to catch me anyway, right? And so, but Paul and Sil- Silas said, man, I'm going to pick up my weapon of choice and I'm going to worship and pray. Worship and pray. Church, you need to jot this down, store it in your memory, right? Do whatever you got to do. Worship, worship is a weapon against depression in the wake of disappointment. Worship is a, a, this is a weapon. It is a weapon against depression in the wake of disappointment. When you are disappointed in life, you need to get going, get into your prayer closet, and start praying, all right? You need to get up, turn on your, whoever your favorite, Kirk Franklin, whatever it is, whoever it is, you need to start worshiping. And if it's your own self, then sing loud. Sing loud and proud. Because that is what will break through in your war. That is what's going to get you to the other side. See, I'm not making this up. This is, this is exactly what happened in the Bible. This is what happened to Paul and Silas. We must learn to bring our choice, our, our weapons to battle every single time. We can't just sit there and take it on the chin. We can't. That's not how God created us. That's not what he, he put inside of us. Yeah, I know, but the turn the cheek. No, don't turn the cheek. Get your weapon and start praying and worshiping. Yeah. Save the la- for the last alternative, turn the cheek. But right now, start worshiping and start praying through your situations. And here's how it played out for the benefit of everyone around. Their display of worship didn't just benefit Paul and Silas. Uh-uh. It benefited everyone listening to them and observing them. Think about that for a second. You're going through your tough times. You're going through whatever you're going through. And you get there and you start, oh, Jesus, you are the creator of heaven and earth. You are my savior. You are my creator. And that leads you on to, oh, the blood. You start singing. You start Oh, Jesus, you're awesome. You're amazing. You, your promises are yes and amen. You're incredible. And you start singing. And the people around you who are probably going through some rough, tough times and tough, tough situations are like, oh, that's a new concept. That's different. 
I've tried everything else I could possibly do, but haven't really got anywhere. I wonder what the, what's actually going on. What, I, what, what are they actually saying? And at that moment, those who were around them began to experience favor. They were covered in favor because of Paul and Silas. And that led me to believe, man, I got plenty, plenty of family and friends that are going through some rough times. I got people at my job that, that are going through some difficult times. I know people that, that are struggling financially, who are going through some depression, who are, you know, that are going through some, some, some yucky stuff. And if they can just hear me pray, if they can just hear me worship, then man, the, 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 the blessings that the favor that is coming my way can eventually start to spill over into their families, into their job spaces, into their communities. And what God is doing here at South Hill San Diego, God's going to continue to, to pour out and continue to flow through these streets and in the neighborhoods. And people are going to get to a little whiff of this favor that God is bestowing upon each and every single one of you because you chose to use the weapon of, power, of prayer and worship. You see how that works? It was like it was like they were on an Oprah show. You know, you, you get a chain broken. You get a shackle broken. In fact, all of you get your chain and shackles broken. Listen, I love all, the fact that, ever been, you ever seen one of those shows? That's like, when you sit there and be like, man, I wish I was so there. I wish, I don't care what they're thinking, what they're talking about, the fact she gave a big screen TV. I want to be a part of that. And that's how these people felt. I don't know what they're saying, but we get the chains and the shackles broken. Woo! You start celebrating. That's my interpretation. That's not what the Bible says. I'm just, just keeping it real here. Everyone, everyone got to get out of jail card. That's incredible. Listen, Paul and Silas, they were Jewish. So they were singing the songs of their people. Many of the songs were about God being good when life is not good. And that's what they were saying. And the rest of the prisoners, they were poly, polytheistic. You know, in other words, they, they were believing in more than one God. So these guys singing about a singular God, about one God, was probably blowing them out the water. Right? They're like, really? One God can do all this? Really? So why sing, church? Why worship? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. This is super important. Jot this scripture down because you're going to need this. <clears throat> Sorry I sound nasally. I'm batting a little cold here. But 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5 says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. That is why we worship. That is why we worship. And that is why it's so important that people should listen to us worship. Because there is power that comes through our worship. There is authority that goes before us. There's a key master that, that walks in front of you when you worship and starts unlocking, unlocking the chains and the shackles that are holding you back in life. 
There is someone that goes before you and starts opening up doors that you never thought were possible. And, and what's even more incredible, he starts taking you with you. starts taking you along. It doesn't leave you back in your cell. He says, come, I'm going to open up doors that you never thought were capable of being opened. I'm going to bring you into this incredible purpose and plan that I've set before you. I'm going to wrap this up here, friends. I want you to listen to me carefully. The biggest battlefield you'll ever face is in your mind. Yeah, they're real. Yeah, when that notice comes in the mail, it's real. Can't pretend it does not exist. Yeah, when the cops are knocking on the door, something happened. I got two phone calls in life that kind of rock my world. But what's even more incredible is that God prepared those, my heart for those two phone calls. One was my 16-year-old brother passed away, and the other one was when my mom passed away. You see, we as Christians have this incredible privilege to be connected to the one that knows it all. And because we are his children, because we are heirs to his throne, because he loves us so much, the paths that are set before us are not paths of struggle, paths of pain and hurt and suffering. Yeah, we'll go through them, but it's like a tour bus. You just keep waving and keep going because that's not the final destination that God has for you because he believes that because you guys have a relationship, because he has a relationship with each and every single one of us, he believes that you're going to pack heavy and you're going to be ready for when those struggles and those trials and the tribulations come about. And that you're going to utilize in due time your prayer and your worship. Because you know that your prayer and your worship is going to unlock what God has for you next. God doesn't work the normal, natural way. He works in the supernatural way. Because in the natural, in the norm, all we see is these walls and these barriers in our lives. All we see are the things that we cannot do or the things standing in our way from achieving and walking into the goodness that God has in store for us. But God works in the supernatural and he begins to say, hey, I'm going to move that to the left. I'm going to move that to the right so you can walk. You may have to jump over this. You may have to go under it. But guess what? I'm going to work in the supernatural to make that happen because I have created you and I've called you for great things. Friends, how did Paul and Silas de develop? How did they know that, that, that they, they had possession of this, this incredible weapon of prayer and worship? It was by their faith. Their faith in him. Your faith, your faith can move mountains. Your faith can move mountains, church. You just got to know and believe in it. 
Faith is a byproduct of focus. And focus is, is, is birthed through friendship. And what we can go through and what you can go through depends on who's around you. You see, you weren't created to live in this life alone. You were created to be in relationship with people, like-minded people, like-hearted people that are going to stand with you, that are going to encourage you, they're going to they're going to worship with you, they're going to pray with you. You see, life is not meant to be lived alone. Your relationship with Christ is not meant. This room, I look around in this room, and most of us are seated next to someone that you came with, someone you love, someone that you know. And if you do not know the person to the left or right of you, in front of you, behind you, guess what? You're in a church that is all about love. And they're going to walk with you. They're going to hold hands with you. They're going to hug you and say, man, together we can do this. Just like Paul and Silas and everyone in the room receive God's blessings on that, receive God's favor, we can do this together, church. Our core relationships with God and others help us define reality. Who you're connected to is more important than what happens to you. And so I ask the question, who are you connected to? I'm going to jump down here and wrap this here. We'll skip some parts here, but i got one question for you. What if you arrange your life around friendships that fuel your faith? In other words, what if you surrounded yourself with people around you that were like-hearted, like-minded people that helped you, that encouraged you, that helped you build your relationship and your faith with Christ? What would that look like? Truth is, you're most likely to meet the right people by spending time in the right places. Places like church, places like growth groups, places like, like they, they give you opportunities to, to pray and worship together. Should you be coming to church more often? These are questions to ask yourselves. Should you be in a growth group? Should you be serving here at South Hills at some capacity? Friends, these questions are not to chastise you. They're not to, to bring about a guilty trip. But on the contrary, these questions are proposed to encourage you and make you think and analyze where you're at and plan your next step of action. Where do you go from here? What do you do from this day moving forward? Well, I make the decision to attend church regularly no matter what else is going on in my life. Will I invest in relationships with other like-hearted, like-minded people and believers? Will I worship wholeheartedly, especially when I don't feel like doing it? Church, friends, be bold. Be resilient. Be encouraged. Know that you were not created to be the victims of life, of depression, of sadness, but you were created to be overcomers. Overcomers that can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown somewhere over there. God has promised us, just like he promised Paul and Silas, 
will be overcomers. That you don't have to live this life of depression and sadness and suffering. Grab a hold of his promises today. Grab a hold of the concept that you are an overcomer. And this is your season to be victorious. Amen.